Hello, and welcome to the Music Teacher Coffee Talk podcast. I'm Tanya. And I'm Carrie. We are both elementary music teachers who love to talk shop, preferably over a steaming cup of coffee. This is episode number 43. Today we're continuing our summer book club and discussing chapters 8, 9, and 10 from Teaching for Musical Understanding by Jackie Wiggins. So grab your beverage of choice and let's get started. So now it's time for our highs and lows. Summer edition. High notes and low notes of our week or whatever it's been. Two weeks. Yes. Since you've last heard from us. It's true. Um, So it's July. Fourth of July was just a few days ago. Yeah. And um, my big, I've got a high because, you know, we're not in school and... That doesn't mean there can't be lows. There can be lows, but to I'm just... To be continued after gonna, yours. <laughs> yeah. Oh, no. I'm going to focus on 4th of July. Um, we had an impromptu barbecue at my house, and family came over, and my sister, who is far more with it than I am, like, and up on the... the mostly videos, pop movies, culture pop stuff. culture, TV, yeah. all the things. Okay. Um, she brought over her Wii at my request. Now... Would you say that's with it? No offense, Tanya's sister. <laughs> no. That's a little old. No, she was, but like, no. Oh, she was gifting it to you. She Well, she came over and she set it up and she's like, by the way, this is staying here. And I went, <laughs> oh, uh, I see. Okay. okay, then she is with it. So when I, say, <laughs> when I say with it, I mean back in the day when the Wii was a big thing. She was into it. She was into yes. it. And I played a couple of times at her house. And you were like, I don't want this thing. Well, I, just, I we've never been a video game family. Uh-huh. My family, yeah. my you know, my husband, my children. Um, we decided early on that we really didn't want to like inundate the kids with video games because we know what a mind suck it is. Yes, it is. And so we kind of on purpose avoided all that, but we don't avoid playing at other people's houses. Well, just, sure, you know. But now that the Wii is like a clearly dead fad, we can get on board. <laughs> It's retro. It is. It's retro. <laughs> and we're we're all about the retro. So now I've got a plastic chrome set and a plastic guitar and a plastic keyboard sitting in my living room. Yeah. We'll see how long I can deal with that. Yeah. And um, yeah, so they like the rock band thing and um, it was it was fun. And That's they awesome. my children have been playing tennis together. That's awesome. Wee tennis. I'm Wii so tennis. good at Wii tennis and Wii bowling. And bowling, yeah. Doesn't my, it just make you feel like you can just go out? And my just... sister, I'm sorry, not my sister, my, my daughter keeps saying, why do we ever go bowling? Why don't we just do this? I'm, yeah. I'm so like, yeah, we'll this. never leave the house, yeah. kid. Never. Yeah. Anyway, so that was our high is we've got a Wii now. <laughs> we have finally joined Woo-hoo. 2009 culture good job yeah mm-hmm. and uh <laughs> it's been fun and she's got my sister's got so many um karaoke type wii games yeah those are fun i mean it's just any of the things that are more active where you're actually physically doing something even if it is just pantomiming doing something in real life i will say i did have a moment when my 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 sister was encouraging my daughter to like oh take do a, a practice round with the um guitar on the wii uh rock band thing yeah. right and and so she's sitting there and she's practicing a song and they've slowed it down and i was like you could why? do that yeah i'm like you know <laughs> i have a guitar i even have an electric guitar why are we not just playing like oh the real instruments but you know whatever 
we're gonna it's fun it's fun it's so that was our high we have a wee now cool. for a few days at least fun. i mean until i'm totally frustrated and um, chuck it out the window <laughs> hide it uh so but that was it was good family fun good yeah and right. you you've got well, a you've got i'm gonna a do a low oh just cool. to spice things up mine is also fourth of july related Uh oh. so um we decided to go watch fireworks um on the mountain <laughs> So it's called a mountain, but it's really a mesa. Yeah. I mean, it's it's not like a huge, gigantic thing. It's Green it's just, Mountain. It's Green Mountain, and it's a really big hill, basically. I mean, it's it's quite sizable. Let's, you know, it is Colorado after all. So we thought, well, that'll be fun. If we kind of hike a little bit up the mountain, then we can see, like, the whole city and see, mm-hmm. like, the whole skyline. Several different See everything fireworks. going on. And so we went up there, and um, on the way it was raining. And then we thought, well, okay, again, Colorado, usually we get these little rainstorms, they pass, and then we're good. Mm -hmm. Then basically we got up the hill, so that was probably a good, from our house, you know, 20, 30-minute walk Mm -hmm. in the dark, in the rain. And we finally got settled, and just when the fireworks really started that we wanted to see that were closest to us, it started raining again. So we got our blanket, which is like on one side, it's like waterproof, like a tarp, and we put it over us, and then started raining harder and it started raining harder mm-hmm. and then it started hailing yes i remember that and all the while it's lightning right over our heads yeah. and we're on a mountain and yeah there's a couple trees here and there but it's pretty sparse um so it was a little scary and i thought my <laughs> kids were going to freak out they actually stayed pretty calm which was good and right when it was the point where i was about to freak out it stopped but then we had to navigate our way down. down, which was basically a mudslide at that point. Oh. None of us fell in the mud, but a lot of us were like slipping and sliding. And yes. it was just, it was quite an adventure. Overall, I mean, it could have been much worse. Mm-hmm. No one was electrocuted. No one got hurt. But um, yeah, we were soaked and we didn't really get to see fireworks at oh. all. But that's all right. It was, it was an adventure. My kids will remember it for a very long time. Yes, they will. All right, so um, this is our third episode discussing the book Teaching Musical Understanding. Teaching for Musical. Teaching for Musical Understanding. Yeah. uh, By Jackie Wiggins. And um, we are talking about eight chapters, eight, nine, and ten. And I would like to be very frank with our audience right now that you and I have on purpose. We haven't talked off mic about these particular chapters. We haven't. Not in detail. I mean, we've, we've shared some general... Overall yeah, but very vague, feelings. less than we, we usually vague. do. So yeah. this could be... In full transparency, we were supposed to record last night, but we were both very cranky and partially because of this book. Well, <laughs> don't say it like that. All right, I was very cranky. I was just tired from Partially of because of this book. Partially. I was I, I was having a hard time wrapping my head around it. Let's I was as it well. Let's, let's start with something positive, though. <laughs> okay. And I mean, it's not... All negative, in my opinion. No, no, no. It's not um, all negative. No, but no, no, I, not at all. Like I, what, what yeah. I want to say is, we have both been hemming and hawing this whole time that we want specific, concrete examples. And boom, this there next, we go. We're, we're there now. She breaks it down into very specific lesson plans and examples. She and gives, yeah. In fact, these I three chapters, that. 
That's all it is. It's all, yeah. The third, well, the, the last one we'll talk about is well, specifically that's kind of unit planning. Yeah, but just planning mm -hmm. in, like, specifically even, like, scripted questions that you would ask the kids, which I appreciate. Because a lot of that to me, and I've mentioned this in the other ones, too, it's reframing how I ask questions. Uh, exactly. And so I do appreciate, like, I was just highlighting the questions. And I love, I, I love to see scripted lessons when yeah. people do lessons. Yeah. You know, just because uh, it's I like. I don't write them that way, do you? No, no, no. <laughs> but. For me, I like the example. For, for the context of a book right. like this. But I think it's very helpful. It's a very helpful exercise to do that for yourself. And honestly, I was thinking this while I was reading, and I, I will probably script questions Definitely. how i'm gonna phrase questions yeah because no if i put I it in quotes for questions yeah. for sure yeah i want to in fact i'll even if i'm really on top of things i will say it but i'll also put like on a powerpoint or on the smart board yeah. that exact question yeah i i don't do that but i need to start doing that because otherwise i will fall into the trap of asking you know, one answer questions and no, not these yeah. more open-ended. And you want it to be a lot deeper understanding. Right. And when you put it in a PowerPoint or you put it on the smart board, then it has to happen yeah. because it's, it comes up. It's right there. Right. All right. So okay. chapter eight is talking specifically about entry-level musical problems. Yes. So meaning these are kind of when you're starting with your young students or your older beginners. This is kind of you start how you get them in the groove. Yes. Get and yourself so in the now groove. I've got some musical problems. Okay. <laughs> Let's do it. Um, here's my musical problem with lesson 8.1. Yes. Which is called identifying and representing beat. Okay. That's what it's labeled. However, when reading through this. Yes. It seems really more focused. Okay. This is my Kodai brain. And I I, I'm telling you. I, I, I'm I know what you're going to say. Keep uh -huh. going. I, I'm trying to be open-minded. But at the same time, I'm constantly reminded about why yes. I embrace and value the Kodai philosophy. Yes. Because in this lesson that is labeled identifying and representing beat, it really seems to be focused on rest. And she brings in with the same piece of music, a focus on melodic direction as well. Right. This is chock full of um, issues, especially if it's for grade kindergarten or first. Yes. All right. So she talks about using engine, engine number nine. And that's like, that's what you get for the whole lesson is engine, engine number nine. Yeah. That would be my biggest issue with it. I mean, we talked about this on our, on our Facebook live video that we did about confusing rhythmic elements and melodic elements right and, how easy and especially that is in kindergarten and first grade and separating them. we separate them out and then we bring them together it's... but even more so my issue is the time management because mm -hmm. if you're going to do the beat and now we're going to talk about the rest and now we're going to talk about the melody that seems like a lot of stuff yeah so i've got lots of marginalia but can i just say about... in response to the beat versus the rest thing uh -huh. she specifically does say and i'm starting to kind of wrap my head around what she's saying the concept of steady beat part of the dimension of rhythm is used as the doorway in that will enable learners to explore the rhythmic concept of sound and no sound okay rest. however and, and this is a big sticking point i have yeah all right yes but um when she talks about steady beat and she shows these icons, which are just dashes. Right. And she shows um, beats to track. Yes. For the students. Well, first of all. That's their first time seeing those That's icons. their first time seeing yes. those. And, and they're not, when we say icons, we're not talking about adorable little train engines. We're talking about like 
filled in rectangles. Right. All right. Which is whatever. You know, that's not... Do you what can you make that do. whatever. But she leaves each icon that has the rest as an um, not filled in. Right. So we've got filled in, rectangle, filled in, rectangle. And then the beat where it's a rest is not filled in. That I've got... But that's a next step. Right. But she talked about seeing it... it I mean, I hear what you're saying when I'm playing devil's advocate But a look, bit. I'm not done. Because the issue <laughs> is we're confusing beat with rhythm. Well, yes. Because if we're going to represent no sound with a not filled in beat, then this is something that kindergarten, first grade tend to have issues with all the time is that you need to reiterate for them and have them feel and move to and like, you have to constantly bring this idea up that when there's a rest, the beat is still there. Yes. So a rest in the music does not mean there's no beat. So when you sh visually show that the beat is different, yes. when there's a rest, that's where I have a problem. Well, it's because you are confusing for them. You are confusing this idea of the beat's different here. No, the beat's yeah. not different there. It's just that there's a rest. And so that kind of is like my problem with the rest of the lesson as well is because she takes icons that were at first supposed to be representative of just the beat. Mm -hmm. Now we're also showing rhythm with the icons. And then she takes those same icons and she says, okay, now we have to move them around to show the melodic contour. Right. I think that's extremely it, confusing. It's for too much. Kindergarten and first grade. Yeah. Right? Yeah. I just can't imagine. I mean, we talk about depth, not breadth, right? And right. that's just, you're not going deep enough with any one of those things. Well, and that's the whole, that's, that's where I have issues with it is because the whole point of this book that's laid out in the philosophy in the first few chapters that we've already discussed was getting deep with these concepts, right? right? right. So when you intertwine them like this and you don't assure that they are solid in any one of them, then like how does that understanding come to fruition when you're talking about like melding them all together within a 45 minute lesson or even a half an hour lesson so i highlighted here um she's then this is a quote that she says for the lesson does what we have here really look like what we are singing and she's talking about the beat icons mm -hmm. do our voices do just what the icons do Okay, well, the icons were beat, and now we want the icons to be something else. Some learners will realize that the icons do not show that their voices move up and down to sing the song. Yeah. And... I mean, when I was reading that, my I, I had the same reaction you did, and, and my gut feeling is that I still think it's too much. But then part mm -hmm. of me went, well, but now are we selling our kids short? I mean, I, are there, again, are there some kids who are going to recognize immediately that there's also pitch? Included in there, if you, I mean, assuming you're doing engine, engine, number nine, number nine, melodic. Well, then but, why not use a different set of icons to show melody, to show the melodic contour? Because truthfully, in standard Western notation, note heads are showing melodic contour, right? Right. I mean, very, in some cases, they're showing rhythm as well, but most of the time, note heads are showing melodic contour. Are they ever showing the beat? Right. So, why do we want to do that from the get go? Yeah, I see what you're saying. Yeah, I know I struggle with it. And she says, and I highlighted this on page 107 and put a question mark next to it. This is under lesson 8.2. Mm -hmm. Since children's conception of melodic ideas 
contains understanding of both pitch and duration, it is possible to deal with both aspects within the frame of one lesson. And I put a big question mark. I agree that you can eventually, mm-hmm. and that is the goal. And again, I think we mentioned this on our last li- on our live video, that once you're putting notepads and stems together, mm-hmm. for me, that's hopefully by the end of first grade, yes. there's that aha moment where we can read the same song and we can focus on the rhythm. Now let's mm-hmm. focus on the melody. Now let's sing it with the words. And yeah, that's the goal. Yeah. But not when I'm doing these early experiences with them. No. And especially not in the iconic and stage, as a music which for teacher, us would be the right. preparation stage. As a music teacher who did not grow up with the Kodai method at all, and even in college, barely it was touched on. I mean, it was an ORF world in my undergraduate experiences. And my first three years of teaching, you know, was not Kodai inspired at all. And when I did take my levels, finally, that was one of those things that really... Um, hooked me yeah. is this separation and making sure everything is really clear like oh look this is the rhythm here's the beat here's the melody yes of course they all come together but let's get really solid in our understanding of these things individually before we meld them right. and then when you do meld them and they have this understanding and they can feel it and they can like into it say melodic contour mm-hmm. and then you put these things together wow then they're super solid and then here's another aha moment i had as i was like mulling over this and like just fighting with myself back and forth the book's called teaching for musical understanding it's not called teaching for musical literacy it's not called teaching for musical skill it's not called teaching for singing it's not called teaching for playing instruments it's called teaching for musical understanding right so that we want them to be able to look at a piece of music and read it the way you read words on the page is what Kodai said like to be able to do that in your brain and and even beyond what's written on the page just to internalize music on a very deep level right but here's the other thing that as I was arguing with myself is that you know I get the especially musically I have the most understanding of anything musically when I do it myself yeah and I think it's the same with oh so many things right yeah you can talk about appreciating great classics of literature but you got to read the book right right exactly. so I mean I never appreciated opera until I was singing opera mm-hmm. right and so I think that the gateway towards really understanding musically and appreciating musically and, and giving, and that's nothing else we're, we're going to get to, is that wanting to understand was doing it, doing yeah. being musical, right. having musical experiences. Right. And now, not, you know, and performing music and not necessarily for an audience, but you've got to, you've got to do active music making. Yeah. And I mean, to be fair, she does talk specifically, if we go back to this first lesson about with steady beat, that the children will have lots of experiences. Okay. Moving to the beat. Here's another issue I have in all of the lessons in these two chapters. Yes. Is that she states in the prepare lesson assumes that all this other stuff has happened. But when is that happening if they're exactly. doing this? Yeah, that is that I have that. So this is why too. I was like fighting with myself. I was like, maybe this is all supposed to be, well, I don't know, late practice stuff if we're going to put it into a Kodai context, right? Yeah, it because, did seem to be that way. I mean, in a couple of notation. sentences, she says, 
oh yeah, they will have had lots of experiences, like the lesson on the skips and the steps and yeah. the stuff. I'm like, oh my gosh, that's huge. Right. And ta-da, here we are composing with skips and steps and re repeats. Yes. Like, how did you get there, right. right? And that's what I think most music teachers, especially younger music teachers, music teachers who are just starting out, would take this book and go, um, so the kids already know that? Cool. Yeah. No. Yeah, they don't. No, they, they don't. They, you need to provide those experiences. I kind of like, as reading this, I was like, can I see a video now? I mean, I know. I just want everything, but... Yeah, I guess, you know, she did write out the lesson, and, and it was very scripted and all that, but it's still not written as far as, like, when the kids walk in the door, here's the first thing you're going to do, and then here's the next thing you're going to do. It's not really written out linear like that. No, no, it's not, and and I can get my head around that. that that's okay. Right, but my point being that I'm hoping and assuming that within the context of this lesson, they're going to be doing lots of other things that are not in the page, like singing and playing But how do she... you do all those things exactly. if you're doing this? Because this takes a lot of time. I'm not going to spend a whole lesson on engine engine number nine. Well, but, okay, now I'm going to play devil's advocate again. Okay. Even if you did go through this whole process, including the beat and then... Um, erasing the boxes that have a rest and then yeah, adding not the melodic that. contour. Honestly, you could, assuming that you're asking questions well and the kids are, are with you, you could probably do that chunk in five, six minutes. It's a lot and will they fully digest it? Maybe not, but the point being that you would have lots of time in your lesson for other things. Yeah. Really? Because how much time are you really going to do physically and actually these things that she's saying? I don't think it would be much time. And then she talks but, about once they figure out the melody, then they can go and try to figure it out on the bar instruments. Okay. See, that's what's going to take your time. Again, then, yes, then and I still guess going then the question to, is, yeah, do I, you want to do that one song for 15, 20 minutes? Right. I, I'm, I really had a problem with the confusing the yeah. beat uh, using the icons that you use for beat to show a rhythmic concept as far as no sound. Right. You know, I, I have, if I were to see that, like from a Kodai student, I, I would jump in and, and say, this is and say, not I, happening. This is this not is pedagogically not sound. No. But can we just for a minute then focus on what are some things that you can pick out of what she's saying and incorporate into what you're already doing? So, like, for example, this whole idea of, having the kids recognize the icons going higher and lower with so and me. Now that's something we do all the that time. That is something. Use different icons. But what I like is specifically how she asked the question. Yes, that's Does true. Does what we have here really look like what we are singing? Do our voices do just what the icons do? Right. I want to say that when I'm in the preparation stage of so and me and we've got our cute little bumblebees on the board or whatever, mm -hmm. I'm a little bit more giving with the answers for the kids yeah you know i noticed that some of my sometimes my voice sounds higher and sometimes my voice sounds lower can you help me drag the, the oh, ones definitely. that are lower down lower my point being is that i think that i can be more conscious of how i'm asking those questions and incorporate some of them oh, the yeah. ideas of no i highlighted saying. those specific questions yeah, i like that. i just wouldn't use it in the same context that she's no. got it here so that first one like i said my marginalia is good is a little snarky on these pages <laughs> because i'm just like arguing <laughs> um you know there is some things that you can take out of it i i think she could yeah uh, hmm. using different icons for 
beat. Yes. And then for melody, yeah, not I think doing it all in the same not, high yeah. concentration area. These as we icons like to call are all it. the yeah. things. Like, yeah. Um, when she talks about identifying and representing duration and pitch in the next lesson, oh, <laughs> uh, I thought that was a little more sound, but there was a point where when she, uh, groundwork that enables under engage on this lesson about representing duration and yeah. pitch. Yeah. Um, she says using understanding developed during previous experiences with iconic representation of duration and pitch pitch learners will solve a new problem the teacher may need to remind learners of these earlier experiences <laughs> at the onset of the lesson in order to help them to know what strategies to use and i want and i wrote you think <laughs> <laughs> yeah they're not just gonna pull that out of their no brains. yeah i think that this is assuming well i mean she lays it out and she says yes they should have prior experiences but this is where it's fraught with some issues is that um what are those prior experiences well and my other you know musical problem as we say is you know stepping back to and in the earlier chapter she mentions this too that the children are not really getting true musical notation until much later than what we're used to that's, in our Kodai world. That's fine. So this whole idea, I mean, in this one, she's specifically talking about the song Paw Paw Patch, which is right. quite melodically challenging. Mm -hmm. I mean, Boy, we've me, been talking a lot about this song. I know song. how interesting that came up again, too. Yeah. Um, but my point being that if I was doing Paw Paw Patch in, you know, typically third grade, maybe fourth grade, they're seeing a lot of it musically now not, sure. maybe not the whole maybe i'm just focusing on the rhythm because mm -hmm. it has you know a major tone set or whatnot and so is it a major tone set you know what i'm saying yes yeah. there's, there's some 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 things that my third graders wouldn't be ready for so you know she's talking about doing this iconic representation for all the things like i'm imagining second graders and third graders still doing this iconic representation mm -hmm. and i feel like well they are ready for notation well, it, it depends on their pre previous experiences. Right. Yeah. Um, something else? Oh, talk about long and short sounds. Perhaps linking to early experiences, uh, moving to long and short sounds um, of songs and pieces. And I went, uh, yeah, perhaps. Right. But then the, it's also talking about not just long and short. There's long and longer and yes, short yeah. and even shorter. Like if we're talking about the rhythms of... Papa patch, we're talking about quarter, sixteenths, eighth notes. Like, you can't just say long and short. Are we still talking about the same lesson? I don't yeah, know. Yeah, no, just... we, well, and see, again, in this lesson that she's, well, she doesn't script it out, but this lesson 8.2, identifying and representing duration and pitch, um, you know, I, I think that she brings in the concepts together too quickly. Yeah, yeah. And this is for grade one or two. Right? Right. I mean, and again, I'm really trying to leave my Kodai. It's, I can't. Well, I can't completely you know, leave my Kodai brain out of it. I don't think you have to. So this is, again, this is how I'm I'm reading this and going, yeah, I'm not going to do it that way. And because I'm I'm happy with the, with the pedagogical decisions that I'm making in my classroom, but there are some things that I can tweak. Uh-huh. Um, like a big thing is the questioning and then another thing is kind of that moment of like exploration like once you have gone through the process of figuring out the song with them whether you're doing it iconic or mm -hmm. notation like we might do in the practice stage 
now giving them the opportunity to kind of just go figure it out. Well, and that's what I think is most valuable. That's That was my big takeaway yeah. was the the composing part. Yes. However, I think that it's it's it's, it's not really clear how much that. work is going to happen before yeah. they get to the point where you go, hey, here, take this iPhone and go make a piece that um, has steps and skips and has leaps. steps and skips and leaps, like similar to this African piece that we heard earlier right or I mean yeah I'm yeah. definitely curious about that as well because I feel like especially with younger students they're gonna need a lot more scaffolding okay can we talk about the older students and the worksheets and the yeah. Mary had a little lamb <laughs> because I wrote it in my margin I went really is this engaging for those older students yeah that we're gonna work with Mary had a little lamb melodic contour for an entire say, class period um I mean and Grade I was six thinking they're adult Right. Okay, so why do they care? Why, why are they going to, you know, older I feel students, like... they get to that point where they're like, I don't, I, you know, I'm not motivated to do this because you expect, I have a 13-year-old son, and he has said to me, not <laughs> once, but a few times, he's like, I'm not going to do this thing just because you want me to do this thing. I have to want to do this thing. And I'm like, well, I can make you want to well, do well, this yeah, thing. Well, yeah, take away your wee. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I agree. The song choices for this section were very questionable. Yeah, I just. However, I there's have four to worksheets say, labeled here. Four worksheets. That's four a lot of worksheets. That's a lot of worksheets with these boring icons on Mary had a little lamb. I'm sorry, my sixth graders, not no, gonna. I don't. Think... I hear you. I wonder though, the process itself, I think, could be interesting. I. And I say this because I find that my older students, my fifth and sixth graders, they kind of like dull worksheets sometimes. I don't know. It's just that well, moment where they can just kind of just sit and do something and they sure, don't. Sure, yeah. I wouldn't want to say they don't have to think because obviously that's not the point. But, well, and then, but, the, okay, another issue I had with this lesson in particular was that this was a lot of very, um, what, like they had to decode a lot. And this lesson that's that's written out is them decoding, 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 question, yeah. you know, figured See, out, figured out. On Mary Had a Little Lamb, you're asking them to really, like, tax themselves. Yes. They don't have any musical, active music making fun in here. Right. They're just decoding the rhythm, the melodic contour, the, you know, everything on Mary Had a Little Lamb. Yeah, no, see, when I was reading this, my, my immediate thought was, first of all, different song literature, maybe even something that's poppy or popular-esque, mm -hmm. you know, that has a simple melody mm -hmm. that they can decode and still do the same activity. But then my also thought was, each one of these worksheets, for me, would be a different lesson. Oh, gosh, And yeah. then all the other things we're doing in that lesson would be active music making, specifically drumming or Yeah, but do you want to take or... the time in every lesson to do all of these worksheets? I see her process, though. I mean, I don't hate it because what I'm seeing is she is going from simple to complex, and uh -huh. she's giving them more and more freedom and more and more exploration until they get to the point care? where they create a melody. What's what's in it for them? Well, I feel like they would care if you were careful about your song literature. Okay. All right. I would buy that. Um, and then one more little, not little thing. Um, it, I know we get there. This is so very not student-directed. Not in the beginning, no. Mm -hmm. But it, it can't be. Well... 
can it? I don't know. You gotta lay the groundwork, right? You do. And yeah. that, with that part, I do appreciate because I'm a firm believer of that. To well, me, that's I am the difference too. between just here are some ARF instruments, go figure it out, versus <laughs> go to town. taking them through a process and saying, now using this information you have, now you go figure it right. out. Right. But, okay. Yeah. And to play devil's advocate with that. Yes. <laughs> um, she doesn't like. She gives a lot of this teacher-directed, getting them to decode these things, scaffolding it. That's all good. But then there's some parts where she goes, okay, we assume that they can sing this melody in tune. We assume that they can do X. We can. I mean, I guess, yeah, yeah you can't address it all because you can't have a 900-page book, I guess. But, um well, and okay, I'm imagining you, you've mentioned this before, that you're going to be going to a middle school, a K-8 school next year. Yeah. Not knowing, me personally not knowing where your kids are at right now, mm -hmm. are you assuming that they're going to be singing in tune? No. No. No, but as soon as they come in, I'm going to give them Mary Had a Little Lamb with okay, these icons. Okay, no, but this is my question then. What, is that going to, is that going to be a stress of yours to get them to sing in tune, or is your stress going to be to get them musically literate or is your no. stress going to be just to get them I want to give them active musical music active music making activities that inspire them to want to do music yeah that's what it's about because at this point especially knowing that it's very likely that I will be teaching them for one year only. right right and then there's gonna be somebody else yeah um, I don't I think it's un, it's not realistic I mean, of course, I would like to work on steady beat, and you can do that with older beginners for uh -huh. sure. And you can expect some singing. Am I going to beat myself over the head trying to get them to sing perfect intervals? No, not at all. The act of music making is more important. However, yeah. I don't think that like hammering away at all the musical concepts that you can with, you know, a literature that's not that's beneath them is going to do it. Now, okay. That, that said, I will say that the listening examples and the listening maps that she provides later on, mm -hmm. um, in this chapter, and especially in chapter 9, when she has these melodic contour maps mm -hmm. and they have to put things in order, yeah, like that stuff puzzles. I could totally use. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and I really enjoy that stuff. And I think for older beginners, listening to finished pieces is, is going to be a big doorway in uh, yes yeah definitely um with chapter eight and maybe we can move on from chapter eight <laughs> my big issue well i mean we we just talked about him but um mostly it was that i would hate for anyone to take this and read this and go i'm gonna do exactly this i just i think it's really good for us to question why we value what we value and why pedagogically we do what we do yeah and um, this did make me examine, you know, uh -huh. why am I not taking those beat icons and putting them in a melodic contour? I can tell you why. I just did, right? Right. Um, and so I think for that, that was really valuable. Um, yeah, I'm I would hate for a beginner, beginning teacher yeah, exactly. to, to look at this and I go, was going to say, I, I'm okay reading this at this point in my career because I can look and say, yeah, these things I can try to incorporate oh, these things I just don't think are sound with what I'm doing. Uh -huh. But, yeah, if I was But then again, you've drank careers, the Kodai Kool-Aid. Right. So, yeah. so maybe we're jaded. <laughs> well, 
no, in a good way. No, no not I jaded. Just, we're we're firm in in our beliefs, yeah. and I think and that, we've that's seen a good the thing. results. Yeah, of what our kids are doing. Yeah. All right. So let me talk about things that I really liked and I appreciated. So we have some listening maps for Valley of the Unhatched Chicks and the A section and the B section. And I think this is really fantastic stuff mm-hmm. um, for melodic contour. I even like the way if, if you are looking at the book on page 116, it's not just a melodic contour, but it also like shows... Um, some expressive elements yep. things there with the X's and the lighter yeah. lines and um, the curved lines as opposed to the jagged lines. Mm-hmm. And so I think that stuff, that is just, that's great. Um, and I love how she mentions too that once they've done these kind of experiences enough that they can then create their own listening maps. Right. That and you know, I, and, and one aha I had about, oh, I can totally use this in my classroom that I really haven't done is that have them listen to a piece, get really familiar with the piece, and then they go and they compose something that's within that vein. A similar form or similar Focusing on a specific concept, like from getting um, slower to getting faster to getting Mm -hmm. slower again, right? Like she talks about parade, Mm -hmm. the piece parade. Um, Oh, and then I really, I, I love the big cards with, the iconic representations of the phrases for Bought Me a Cat, like, Cat Goes Fiddle Life Yeah. Right? And Chipsy Chopsy is yep. what I assume this first box is on page 123. Yes. I think it is. And I think that that would be, I could see that being a really awesome center, mm-hmm. you know, or not even. I could just see it being like manipulatives that you just do real quick, like, okay, put these in an order. Yeah. And then again, giving them the opportunity to figure out those melodies mm-hmm. on barred instruments or whatever. Giving yeah. them a second to try to figure it out. Yeah. So I really did appreciate that part. So, yeah. yeah. I also, even though this is definitely outside of my typical box, I really like this whole lesson about musical conversation. And just oh, yeah. allowing really them to like improvise in a way that's totally free and just focuses on the listening and talking back and forth. I think that's really great. When I first read that, I had to stop myself because I was like, well, aren't you going to tell them to end on dough? And then, exactly. <laughs> and then I went, no, no, no. Let them be more free. Because she talks about sometimes the phrases will be longer. Yeah. Sometimes they will be shorter. And well, just let them go. And here was my silly aha moment. Like, uh, so many times when I'm doing question-answer improv with my students, I give the question, they give the answer, but that's actually harder. So what I like that she says they give the question and the teacher gives the answer yeah. to kind of model, like, kind of what you're looking for. I'm like, oh, <laughs> duh. I don't know why. No, Because I guess yeah. I'm trying to just get to the meat of, I want to hear your musical idea and blah, blah, blah. But I love the idea of them doing the question first and then... Going back to the answer. Right. And of then course, she says, my, change it up. My question then just becomes the actual doing of the thing because if I've got one kid and we're going back and forth, I just cannot imagine the rest of my students are sitting oh so quietly and patiently. They might be interested a little bit, but I feel like that that would fade pretty quickly. So I yeah. guess my question well, is you how am them, I going to And then... she mentions this. You keep them on their toes by that their anticipation of being next, right? Yeah, but then the kid has the already, kids had, the already had the turn. He's well, gonna be like, oh, someone on Facebook, the on uh, one of the music teacher pages, was talking about the cue ball, mm. which I just got one. Right, 
and I barely used it. But well, this to. would be a great if you're doing if you're doing it vocally. vocally this yeah. would be a great time to use that cue ball. Yeah. Like I might toss it to you. Yeah, totally. Yeah, that's that's definitely my goal to do more improvisation. It's always my goal to do more right. improvisation. But... Um, and the other thing that I kept inserting as I was going and reading through these things is um, singing's not mentioned a lot. No, it is. And isn't. as far as when like doing the composing or improvisation, well, it's easier to do on instruments. Yeah, yeah, it is. That's true. It's much harder to yeah. do. But you know that I can I can Im- insert that myself. That's yeah. not a big problem. Yeah. All right. All right. Moving on. To we are chapter moving on nine. to middle level musical problems. Right. Oh yeah. So and this was fascinating. And digging I digging in a little deeper. Yeah. I made lots. Yeah. Lots of highlights about things that I could actually do. Yeah. Um. Well, what, this is their example about the parade. This first lesson. Mm-hmm. Um. And it's talking about how. You know, with these middle level, we're, we're getting more into the meta dimensions, yes. which you talked about in the earlier chapters. These are more kind of the big ideas of music, like, um, well, I mean, dynamics, but style and, um, okay, what? How the dynamic changes, architecture, yeah. So in this one, she's specifically talking about dynamics. And it's interesting because I do a lesson very similar to this um, when I'm teaching dynamics. Um, with older students when they, when I'm giving them kind of the full array of dynamics, you know, all the way from pianissimo to fortissimo, crescendo, mm-hmm. decrescendo, diminuendo. But I use the, the piece Over the Hills and Far Away by Percy Granger, a.k.a. the Children's March. Not the Led Zeppelin. No. <laughs> I think we've had that same kind of session. I know. I just, every but time I someone mean, says Over the Hills and Far I Away, know. No, that's no, no, what no. starts up in the my head. The Children's March. Yes. But anyways, the point being, I do this pretty much the same lesson, so it was kind of interesting to see, like, okay, how can I tweak it again to get them, like, I don't start off by saying, have you ever been to a parade and what does it sound like? I say, all right, we're going to listen to a piece of music that sounds like a band marching in a parade. You know, it starts soft and as it gets close, I tell them all this. Mm -hmm. And why do I not give them the opportunity to tell me? That's the kind of aha moment that I'm having. Yeah. And I, I know, and I know the answer why. It's time. I want right. to get to the thing. And they need the right answers right now. <laughs> and that's me. I'm such right. a control No, no, freak. but telling is not teaching, and we know this. But, you I know, something that I do a lot when I play musical examples for anybody is, and I start this in kindergarten, is I say, okay, I'm going to play some music for you. Make a movie in your head. Yeah. That's and then good. a lot of times they will come up with, like, you know, not necessarily, not necessarily a parade. Right. But, like, something yeah. that shows that they are aware that it was getting louder and then getting softer. And, right. I mean, and, of course, sometimes kids will come up with some wacky stuff that doesn't seem to fit at all. But, again, reframing that to, well, they weren't focused on the dynamics. Maybe they were focused mm-hmm. on the maybe melody. The, yeah, or, or the maybe the articulation. Like, yeah. you know. Yeah, so, I mean, that that could be a lot more student directed if you if you're able to to give the time to really like i don't know let let them describe what they hear and then i guess you could just go with oh did you hear when sally said she 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 pictured a car getting closer and then driving away then you could zone in on that yeah exactly and hope somebody comes to that yeah 
And yeah. if they don't be like, well, I imagined when <laughs> well, I listened. Let me tell you what it really is. There's the real answer, yeah, kids. No. But I do appreciate all, and she has many examples like this where there's some sort of that doorway in, which is often a listening piece or, or, or maybe a song they're singing, and then they do a composition project right. that's inspired by that. No, and that I really liked. Yeah, and, and I like that she did set up some parameters of... She talked about in this specific one about the dynamics, setting out groups of instruments, five or six different areas of the room. So you kind of have that set up ahead of time. So it's yes. not just a free for all. No, and I got to read this because I just <laughs> loved it because I was like, uh-huh, yeah. good, good point. It is difficult for second graders to choose an instrument, <laughs> carry it to a work area and get organized. Yeah. Moving the children to the instrument is usually less time consuming. Yeah. I'm like, I've lived that. Yeah. I know, yeah. So you're giving them lots of choice, but you're also giving them parameters. Right. And you're giving them structure. Yeah, and as far as the composition part, there is no reason that that can't be like a late practice for, say, for loud and soft. Right. Within your PPP. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, that's what I found myself thinking a lot of these would be late practice. And and truthfully, while I was reading about the compositions, I was really kind of, you know, getting on myself and going, Oh, Tanya, you don't do enough. Like, here was an opportunity. You didn't do it. Like, wow, you have these opportunities for them to really compose Mm -hmm. with instruments. And my my brain always goes to, oh, gosh, we got to get to the next thing. Or Mm -hmm. they don't have enough skills to really compose successfully. And that's neither here or there. But what's your barometer of success? Yeah. They're not needing to do something that ends on dough or has perfectly balanced phrases. But then, okay, when you look at the sample of student work, Mm -hmm. I'm like, really? That's pretty, that's pretty impressive. They played in perfect fourths. That's pretty cool. Wow. They did this ascending pattern. Right. I often found myself asking when I was reading these composition projects, you know, and oftentimes you would say that some of these might take more than one day. Okay, but if they're not notating these things, they're just playing off the cuff and kind of figuring it out together, I could see that that could happen. Right, but how do but they But then how are they going to pick that up Well, when they come I, back? I thought about that too, and I was thinking, thank goodness we've got so much technology. That's true. Because they can record themselves and they can come back to it. But I'm curious what she was thinking when she wrote the book, because I don't think she was thinking that. Well, I'm sure book. she sat down with each group with some, you know, staff paper and uh, quickly sketched it out. <sighs> I don't know. Here's the other thing I'll say about the composition piece. I'm I'm getting better about including little... I'm not this good, but I'm definitely getting better about including little composition things. What I'm not good about is the sharing part. Where they oh, yeah, share we don't for have each time other. For exactly. <laughs> where they share for each other and then... You know, again, well, second okay. ask, what else did they do that was not part of the project? Well, okay, so if we're really on top of things. it, you could... Have record. it record and Talk have there as a play, well, or even have a place somewhere online, like through Seesaw mm-hmm. or I don't know, through Class Dojo or something where kids can listen to. I mean, and would show they, their parents if they would do that, yeah, right? If there was a way that they would, and they could even comment, yeah. You technically can't, well, it depends on what you do with your Seesaw, I guess. If we're oh, talking yeah. specifically Seesaw, their parents can comment, they can't. Oh, Unless okay. you give so them I the guess... code to use at home, which is kind of a no-no. But oh, I don't know. That's right. very well, technical. But I hear what you're saying. Yeah. I mean, doing it on another day later. Because you can. it could even be like, do it on another day. They've recorded the pieces. And it could be, maybe that could be your stations one day. As they go from station to station mm-hmm. and they listen to other people's composition. And they have to write on the big, you know, yeah. paper yeah. that's up on the wall. And they have to write something about yeah. it. Yeah. 
I like that. Especially, yeah, I don't see myself doing that with, you know, first and second grade. That'd be a bit of a stretch. No. But third and up, I can definitely see them if you set up the parameters of, of that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But, um, yeah, so then she goes into another example where they're analyzing a song with steps and skips and leaps, and then they go right into composing something with steps and yeah, skips and Yeah, I, I struggled with that one. I do, too. And I think, again, it just seems like... I think it's too it much too, too soon uh-huh. that they need to be really solid. But she does say that, like, uh, the lesson assumes much prior experience singing melodies, experience showing melodic contour and direction of melodies, some prior experience playing barred instruments. Mm-hmm. But don't they need some prior experience playing skips, steps, and repeats, and leaps? I'm assuming that they would, too. She doesn't specifically say that. I mean, I'm guessing that they would have at that point. And they're working in partners. So I think that's much better than working in a larger group. And you may remove some of the bars to make skips. See, here's something that I just from... Something that I always thought would be very obvious that I've noticed in my past few years of teaching. When you put kids at xylophones, metallophones, or instruments, bard instruments, and they're playing, you know... Domi So, for example, hmm. that there are several students who don't don't immediately recognize that they're skipping over a bar. Right. Like, I have to call attention to that sometimes. Yeah. Like, you're skipping over this bar. Well, and Let's take this bar off. Kind of the point. And this, she says this, evaluating work produced in an open-ended project such as this one can help the teacher to gauge where learners are along a continuum of understanding of what it is to make music with others. And I get that, that are we, I guess I'm not worried about providing structure to our kids who struggle. What I'm worried about is giving too much to the kids who don't need it. And giving them more opportunities to show what they know without me giving them that structure. Right. Yeah, they'll be, yeah, that's, that's always a, an opportunity for, them to work more on their own and see and this is where it gets a little tricky is differentiating Mm -hmm. for all the students and making sure that they can all be successful at this composition when some of them yeah are not clear on steps and skips and 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 leaps and really what's the focus of this is creating a melody Mm -hmm. it's not can we identify specifically a skip from a step we're right. not working we're not knee deep in like a specific tone set right but see we should have we should have been before we do this right is is what i'm thinking like you want that you want i them want them to... to have more melodic experiences mm-hmm. and to be able to show that on an instrument mm-hmm. before i say um go create and this is one of those mm-hmm. principles that i thought that i've always thought differentiates kodai philosophy from orf yes because in the orf world it's okay and this is this is just a very you know this is not (laughs) the only thing about you know the orf process at all but generally in the orf world it's create 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 pull out the concepts after Mm -hmm. and in the kodai world it's here's some concepts here's some tools now go create right so when the creation happens within a ORF classroom or in a Kodai classroom, that's big. That's big. That's a big difference. Right. Yeah. You know, I might just for fun 
try one of these composition activities that is more of if we're taking you Here's know Here's a xylophone, go to town. Yeah, but within, I mean, I want you to create a melody that has steps and skips and leaps. Well, that could just be That's everything. everything. Unless they're just hammering away right. at their C, you know. But I guess maybe then, I don't know, then it comes back to the questions when they share about, did they use steps? Yes. Did they use skips? Yes. I mean, is it possible Right, that and then when it? you go over that, did they use steps, did they use skips? Then that's when the kids go, um, what? What, are you, what? <laughs> what is that? <laughs> What's a skip? What's a step? Oh, you know, it, hmm. yeah, that's a little tricky. That is a little tricky. All right. Okay. Well, let's go ahead because there's a lot of, you know, examples that are like that. And then. Oh, can I just mention oh, something that I, I did listen nine. to the piece and I still, and I want to listen to the piece. Um, Which one? Okay. I'm sorry. Now I've totally lost it. The, the Ghana singing game. Oh, I didn't listen to that yet. I didn't, I didn't listen to that either. I didn't have a device near me when I was reading it to do that. And, I made a note to do that But later. she does have a lesson that uses the Banshee, which is one of my favorite pieces. Yes. The Henry Cowell piece. Uh-huh. And in her lesson... Is that lesson, the one about, like, the found sounds? Like, the alternative sounds? No. It's all no. on a grand piano, on a, on a prepared piano. Right, no, but it's part of this lesson oh, it's part of the found about sounds. using, not found sounds, not found alternative, sounds, but alternative sound sources. Right, yes. but she actually, and I've done this a tiny bit, but I always get nervous. She actually says, open up a piano. Yeah. <laughs> like, I mean, this on over, I kids. definitely can see older kids yeah. getting into. Yeah, I can sure. too. Yeah, you should do this with your middle schoolers and let us know how it goes. Yeah, I'll, I'll disassemble the piano and. Yeah, everybody come on up. They just they love creepy sounds. They love different weird Well, and that piece things. in particular, I I don't play that piece for anybody under 3rd grade because I think it is so it's creepy. Yeah, yeah, creepy. Um oh, and then the lesson on the tonal center, um that that was See, I I think what it is is that the lessons that are melodically focused, mm -hmm. I I got a little bit nervous about like Okay, are they are they ready? Because you know, melody is so much more challenging mm -hmm. for them to really ingest and mm -hmm. really deeply understand. Yeah. So this lesson on the tonal center and having them like with this home tone line, and we're not going to go be below it. My thought was, well, what if they naturally do? Yeah. Right. I mean, you know, what if they what if they modulate and it's like just an intuitive thing yeah you know anyway. yeah again i mean if we're focusing on the questions i did like the question she was asking how do you know when we're back home you know playing a song that ends on a five chord versus right. ends on a one chord you know just having them hear it and then try to describe it in their own words right but and i really... do some things yeah like that yeah i do as well i just where you leave them unsettled by not not landing on dough yeah that's just something you have to experience all right to really get it all right chapter 10 units, Planning of, study. units of study yeah um this is where it gets big this is where it gets big <laughs> and i needed more guidance yeah um i mean i it, it's just very uh to plan a unit and then she list out points mm -hmm. uh choose one musical dimension or meta dimension think about the various aspects decide which aspects of that dimension the unit will address plan a series of performing creating 
and listening experience that have the potential to enable learners to formulate a higher level of understanding of the dimensions and context. Anyway, all these bullet points, they're great. But what I wrote on the side was repertoire. Yeah. Because I, you know, in a, my Kodai brain wants to go with the music first. Yes. And have that drive, you know, what we're doing. Right. Where this is the other way around. But I wish there and was some... guiding repertoire that, that yeah, supports... Yeah, I wish there was specific guidelines for how to choose repertoire. I, I think she's going to get to that eventually. Because didn't she mention in earlier um, chapters that about having kids be able to be a part of that? I swear that that might be coming later. Well, we'll see. Uh, well, as I'm flipping through the other chapters, I'm not really sure. And, that, and that's one of those things as a younger music teacher that I was always trying to incorporate in order to um, bring the kids in and get buy-in mm -hmm. was was to get um, opinions from children on repertoire. Yeah. And you can, I, I still believe that some of that is okay, but, but you also, you're the, you're the, you're the, yeah, you're, you're, you're the one who knows. You're the music teacher. But I think you can go through the same process that she says with the repertoire in mind first. You know, you've got yeah. these core pieces that you just, you know, are good, solid pieces. And then when you look at them, this is what we do as Kodai teachers. You analyze them and go, this would be a really great song for blah, blah, blah. And I think then those dimensions and meta dimensions will come to you from the music. I think it can Well, but you're still saying start way. with the repertoire. Yeah, I'm saying you can. You're saying that she doesn't. Yeah, she says choose the musical dimension or meta dimension. Think about the aspects. Right. And, I mean... But my I, point being that if you go to a workshop on a Saturday and you get a really great song that you've never seen and you really want to include that in your classroom, mm -hmm. you don't have to go, oh, well, no, I'm not going to do this because it doesn't you know, fall into one of the dimensions I felt like teaching this week. Right. You could look at the song and go, what dimension's popping out to me? Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah, I can teach it for this. Yeah, and, and like... that's very similar to the world music pedagogy idea exactly. that they brought up um, in the book about here are some things that can, you yeah. know, drive you to... Well, and because repertoire, again, it's so important for that buy-in. Yeah, older kids it is especially. so very important. So, yeah, maybe that's just a step that's missing. Start with that and then go into your dimensions right. and meta-dimensions of what you want to teach. Right. Um, but honestly, I mean, I, I definitely understood where she was going with this. It This very much reminded me of a much better laid out, more complex version of what I talked about in the last podcast with that I did with my second graders in the composition project where we had a different song each day and we were focusing on a different dimension each day. Now, mm -hmm. granted, mine were very basic, like today we're focusing on rhythm and then the next day yeah, was melody yeah. and the next day was putting on the staff, but the idea of breaking it into smaller chunks. Yeah. And I think you could, this was kind of my problem with her, even her entry level and middle level musical problems. I felt like some of those could have been broken into units Yeah. as well. Oh yeah, definitely. You know? Mm -hmm. That, you know, you don't have to do all of it in one day. In no. In this example, she's saying you definitely wouldn't, which is Right. Good. And and then this lesson on texture, I, I really appreciate it. Yeah. And I thought that was, you know, I, I really like the the icons used. There's a sample texture score for I Love the Mountains, um, where you're building up the texture. Mm -hmm. um, I did have a little moment where <laughs> she says, find a student who knows how to play the choral part. <laughs> Of the a piano, heart a heart and soul. Yeah. There's always at least one. I'm like, 
Uh, high school. Come to my room. Yeah. Welcome I think to my that's world. just, I mean, it's just a slightly dated opinion, maybe. When we were growing up in an elementary yeah. school, everybody, everybody somebody yeah. knew how to play Heart and Soul. I just right. think it's just not that way anymore. I don't think I can name five students in my school who take piano lessons. Right. Well, even my own child who takes piano lessons, I don't think he knows Heart and Soul. I didn't no. teach him. No, my, no neither so one of my children. I just children. think that's one of those things that's falling yeah. by the wayside. Um, I do appreciate, though, regarding texture specifically, she did mention on bottom of 157, charting the texture of a work is often a good doorway in into non-Western musics because oh, yeah. many of them have a more of a linear organization than a formal one. Yeah, I really appreciate that because, you know, this is, you know, we talked about this with world music pedagogy, just having more world music for our kids and yes. broadening their horizons, but sometimes it's hard to find what you're going to do with it other than experience and listen to it if you want to have a pedagogical purpose for it other than just broadening their horizons because the melody could be really complex or the rhythms could be really you know too difficult to read or write in a traditional Kodai sense. No, but like these big dimensions, texture, texture, architecture, Mm -hmm. form even. I like that a lot. Yeah. And then I enjoyed looking at these samples of student work and, like, figuring them out and going, that's pretty sophisticated. Yeah. Yeah, from fourth graders. Right. But, you know, I mean, not having the burden of having to write it down, I think, could also. I mean, when when kids are composing, quote, and it's more of a just play, you know, you don't have to write it down. Because... Mm-hmm. That can sometimes hinder what they write. Like, I'm just thinking about something as simple as recorder compositions. Yeah. Like, kids will want to play something, and then they can't really write it, and that changes their choices. Yeah. That seems to, like, sway them one direction. Yeah, we don't want to limit them too much. Yeah. Here's the other kind of big thought that, that I appreciated that's kind of expanding my Kodai brain, because I think... As Kodai teachers, we can fall into this trap of we're teaching the concept, but we're not always teaching the musical reason behind that concept. Yeah. So she's talking, this isn't specifically uh, lesson 10.5, starts on page 159. She says, we are not teaching them simply that music can be louder, softer, faster, slow. Mm-hmm. Our intention is to help them understand how musicians might use these tools to generate the f- effects that they seek to produce. Right, and that's and, much more big picture. Yeah, and, we and do I want don't get to that. always yes. get to that point, especially with my younger kids, about, you know, well, the, the big why behind it, other than it's just fun to be fast and then maybe slow and then fast again. But then, again. like, she uses a great piece when she says, In the Hall of the Mountain King. Yeah. Definitely, you could have, with almost any grade level, a conversation about what how does this paint a picture yeah like it's the same rhythm and melody basically over and over again but what is changing and why is he using that particular technique exactly yeah i just like that the, the, the bigger why and incorporating that even with younger kids yep um the one about meter definitely sounded challenging. Yeah, to me. I was like, yeah. Wow. When I was looking at the meter one, I went, I don't. Okay, changing meter. I mean, yeah. this would definitely be older, older, older kids for sure. Um, but I do like the idea of arranging around. I think that that's a really great lesson idea. Oh yeah, the arranging I think is really access- accessible. Yeah, 
I don't think I do enough of arranging. So that's something I definitely like to do more. Yeah. And think about the technology that you can use. Yeah. That would make it, I mean, it, it can be so simple. Um, groovy music doesn't exist anymore, right? No, I miss groovy and music. And like, wow, talk about arranging and yeah. that kind of thing. But I mean, even if it's something as simple as Incredibox, you right. can be doing arrangements and, and people are building texture yeah. just with that. Yeah. Right? So I guess to sum it up, big takeaway, Tanya. <laughs> big big takeaway. From or these just, chapters. From these chapters? Yeah. Um, or thus far in the book, if we want to go bigger. Uh, I, okay, I'll say okay. mine first, but if you want to keep thinking. Well, no. Okay, my big takeaway of what of what I can do is yeah, that I what, need what to... What can you do? What can I do? I can include more composition opportunities and mm -hmm. more improvisation opportunities and not get hung up on are they super solid on the dough pentatonic right. or you know these certain and not always say okay your composition has to have a ticket ticket in it uh-huh right so i can definitely have some more freedom yeah and give them that means of expression and looking at these meta dimensions, meta -dimensions. right and i can totally and I think that that would really breathe some new life into like students' understanding of why are we even learning music, right? Uh huh. So I think that's a big takeaway. Um, my other big takeaway is that that this is a really rich book, really dense text, and it's not for beginning music teachers. No, I would agree. So those would be my big two takeaways: is like something that I can definitely do. And something that, like, I would want, I would not throw this to, like, a first, second, third, even fifth year music teacher and say, here's some things. Yeah. Um, this, these are pretty big things to think because about. Because I really do value um, I, solid pedagogy. Mm -hmm. And and I'm not saying that this is not solid pedagogy. I think this is uh, assuming that you already have some pedagogy. I think that's what it is. Yeah. So yeah. those are my two big takeaways from okay. this so far. What about nice. you? Well, I mean, ditto to, to everything. And then I will just add, um, I've said it, the questioning piece, just really giving the students the, the opportunity to do more open-ended thinking yeah. without me cramming the, the answer before it, I me, even without the me raising my eyebrows <laughs> and pointing towards my dynamics yeah. wall. Yeah, or the inflection. <laughs> do you think this song is about farm or a parade <laughs> like I'm, okay, I'm not that bad but yeah you know just it, I have to let go a little bit I mm -hmm. am a control freak in many aspects well, of my life so yeah. learning to let go and have more student um buy-in and thinking and process and, and letting them guide a little more mm -hmm. but also knowing that and I still drive the ship but <laughs> they've got the oars right Coda section where we each give a personal or professional recommendation of something we've been enjoying, other than teaching for musical understanding, that is. Yeah. What else have you been enjoying, Danya? Oh, well, okay. Um, this is kind of two wrapped into one. Okay. So uh, I read the book Daisy Jones and the Six. Okay. Which is just a really fun summer read, and okay. it's um, very much modeled after the band Fleetwood Mac, and uh, that was like my first big fandom 
banned right. when I was a kid. Right. So that was a fun book. But anyway, this book uh, can be bought at my neighborhood bookstore, yes. which is the book bar. So me and my family like to ride our bikes down to the book bar. Right. And the book bar is just what it sounds like. It's a bookstore. It's a bar. a bar. It's a cafe kind of thing. They've got Fabulous. like pastries. It's an awesome place. Uh, but really what I am recommending here is something that was kind of making the rounds on Facebook uh -huh. in the Colorado community. Um, is Book Bar's extremely official response to extremely negative comments with book recommendations. And the negative comments they're referring to is in relation to the Drag Queen Storytime Hour. Right. So um, the book bar has lots of events going on. They have like authors coming in and doing talks and signing books. And it's just a fabulous place. They also do like a silent reading hour that we like a lot. Yeah. So on, um, once a month we go on a Sunday and it's like silent. And if you're not silent, do they kick you out? Like, no, like but the it's Alamo kind of... <laughs> It should be, but, um, you know, you, you, you need to be silent. Yeah. Um, and they have like a certain percentage off of, you know, their, their drinks and, and cafe items and stuff, but they also do like story time for little kids. They do yeah. poetry reading for adults and big kids. And they also do a drag queen story time. Fabulous. Right. And so but some people think it's not fabulous. Well, like white supremacists. Right. Yeah. So they, they targeted the book bar and um, there was an outpouring of support and kindness from the community. Mm -hmm. Save a few people. Right. Because there was some negative comments. And so I get the book bar newsletter that mm -hmm. goes out online and they, someone who wrote this, I should look and see. Anyway, I'm going to link this in our show notes because there was a response to the negative comments that they received with book recommendations. So as they go through, it's very, they, you see little titles and, and covers of books. Um, like they, why drag queen story time in the first place and yeah. they explain and then the book recommendation underneath it is Just, Just Add, Add Glitter, Glitter, which is a, a picture book. Yeah. Yeah. It's, I, I have never been to the book bar, shockingly, as much as I've heard really you talk about it. But I read yeah. the, the blog or whatever newsletter and was, I mean, it's it's fun. It's very comically written, making light of a very unfortunate situation, I suppose. But yeah. the book recommendations are really great, too. No, they're like, really, really funny solid. because, and, and, and totally on point because, oh, yeah. like, here's a question. Did book bar or some Antifa group stage this themselves? And then the answer is yes, totally. In fact, we hired someone. And anyway, and they go along and, hey, this actor agreed to get arrested, booked, spend a night in jail, use his own money to post bond, have a criminal record, and be charged with a hate crime. Because there was someone who, um, like, smashed the, the right. window. Yeah, they kind of vandalized. Yeah. Yeah. White supremacists. And then the book recommendation after this paragraph is, book recommendation, fascism, a warning, by Madeline Albright. Yeah. And uh, anyway, it's just, it's, it's very amusing. Um, it's it's very rife with uh, current political things going on. And I was just so proud of my little bookstore, yeah. the book bar down the street. And uh, I will post that. So that's my big recommendation. And also the book 
Daisy Jones and the Six, which okay. you can purchase at the book bar. At the but book bar. You can get anywhere where fine books are sold. You really need to invite me to the book bar. <laughs> I, I could use some silent reading time. Yeah, and they had some awesome sangria the other but night. See, you bring your children to silent reading time. I would leave mine at home. We could do that. <laughs> and you know what? It's down the street from the Chitarian. Oh, that's true. Then we can go get our favorite cocktail at our favorite bar. Yeah, light things on fire. Okay, yeah. sounds like a date. I mean, not us lighting things on fire. <laughs> No, the bartenders. Trusted. Okay, so what about you? What's your recommendation? Well, I would like to recommend a podcast that's not anything new, um, but just because I'm in summer mode, where I'm driving my children all over town to all different events and birthday parties and parks and swimming and everywhere, we're spending a lot of time in the car. Yeah. And so we've been listening to a lot of the podcast Brains On, Ooh. which is a wonderful podcast for for kids and families. It's interesting enough that I can listen to it and not, you know, feel like my brain is turning into mush. And I'm actually learning things as we go. All right. And specifically what I've been enjoying that they've had recently is a series all about feelings. So they had one about happy, one about sad, one about angry, and one about nervous. And they really dig in. Um, The one about sad, they even... And this up. was appropriate for both your kids. It was. They do have a, a, a disclaimer before the one about sad that if you're not listening to this with your parents, you might want to stop and have your parents listen to it first and decide if they want you to listen to it. Now, oh, wow. I didn't do that. We just went ahead and listened to it. <laughs> Let's um, go for it, kids. Because what it did touch on was it did touch on suicide. And sometimes uh. feelings feel bigger than you can handle. And you might know somebody who feels that way or you yourself might feel that way. And it's important to know that those feelings are normal and okay, but you also need to get help and here are some things you can do. So, I mean, that's a very specific thing in that one episode. But the whole series, I mean, it was kind of like the movie Inside Out, but more mm-hmm. scientific because they talk about like your, your, no, your nervous system and why why your adrenaline is going and why you're feeling sad oh, and nice. you know it's and for especially my son who is a little on the on the sensitive side and that's one of the many things I love about him it really just put into perspective of well don't you just feel better knowing it's not weird for you to feel that way when you feel angry or when you feel sad we all feel that way right and it's just about managing and then they talk about mindfulness and they have examples of different breathing techniques or meditation that you can do oh, cool. when you're feeling in any of those states and you need to regulate yourself so right anyways brains on in general is a really great podcast and specifically the series on feelings if you have young people in your life oh, nice it's a really great lesson reached the double bar line. Thank you for listening to Music Teacher Coffee Talk. Show notes can be found at Teaching Music Tanya's Kodai Aspiring blog. You can connect with us on Facebook or Instagram. Just look for Music Teacher Coffee Talk. And if you enjoyed this show, please consider subscribing, rating, and leaving us a review on iTunes to help other people find this podcast. Next time, we'll be talking about chapters 11 and 12 from Teaching for Musical Understanding by Jackie Wiggins, and we'll also talk about our big takeaways from this book club. Until next time, this is Tanya. And this is Carrie, wishing you happy musicking.